Great DJs deserve great music. That's why here at Desi BPM, we're giving professional DJs access to the first ever online DJ pool exclusively for Desi Music. Register your interest now and receive your first three months free at desibpm.com. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the show, it's the number one show, interviews and music, podcast, you know, integrate the culture through the times, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, all you really need is some roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes. Hi, so welcome to the Roots and Rhymes podcast with myself, Chuns, and of course, I'm with my wingman, Mac. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing good, Chuns, how are you? Yeah, yeah, all good. Product of lockdown, and look at where we are now. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm glad we've managed to stick with it. <laughs> I mean, me too. I mean, it's a better way of uh, spending time than doing other things. So Roots and Rams has really taken off. We've had some amazing guests. It's been such a productive uh, time and some great feedback. And I'm so, so sure that this episode is going to go out of the park. Oh, this is going to be uh, brilliant. This is going to be brilliant. It's I just know amazing. it. So also, I just want to let the listeners to um, want to let the listeners know uh, to get in touch if they want to see any specific guests on the show. We'll try our best to get them on. Um, it can be absolutely anyone. They don't have to be musical artists. They can be comedians like we've got on today. A little sneak peek there. Um or they, they can be uh, fashion designers. Anything that's in popular culture, we want to tell their musical journey and how growing up in either in Britain or even if it's a Canadian artist or anything like that, we want to understand what they went through um, in order to get where they are now and how music was a part of that journey. So anybody um, wants to let us know, they can let us know through Twitter at Roots and Rhymes or they can hit us up on Instagram as well at Roots and Rhymes. And also make sure you follow on there, subscribe to the podcast and we'll keep you up to date. Um, don't forget, you'll also be able to catch the podcasts on YouTube as well. So we're going to be hitting up the YouTube channel and all of the content is going to be on there in visual. But for the best audio experience, you are better off subscribing on Apple Music, Spotify or Google. So we're mixing it up today with a live recording um, and with the Zoom. So obviously we're kind of still in lockdown now. So we've had to switch up a bit, haven't we, Max? It's still a virtual sessions at the moment. I'm looking forward to getting to do this in person a lot more, but you know, it's working out. We've had some great guests and the beauty of the internet is means that we can connect with people from far distances away and bring, bring people to the show that otherwise we might not have been able to. Absolutely. And for this week's guest, she's going to bring some real comedy to the show. And I'm oh, really yeah. looking forward to having a conversation with that. Um, so without further ado, today's guest has become nothing short of a comedic viral sensation. She's the most relatable Punjabi comedian in the biz, and she's cameoed alongside some of the most biggest British movie greats. Musically, you could say she has a bit of an old soul, but I can assure you she's young and fresh. It's Suk Ojala. Oh my so. God, please can you introduce me onto anything? <laughs> like the Apollo. I know, these are the guys I <laughs> Absolutely. So no problem. I'll be down for that. What about you, mate? Yeah, 100% on there. I'll go and wait outside now. <laughs> well, it hasn't been completely unproductive for you because congratulations on the book deal. That's That's amazing. You're the first people I'm kind of talking to about it that like aren't my friends. That's yes. Great. Um, <laughs> really? Really, really, really. Uh, yeah, look, that was I honestly best thing best thing that's 
ever happened to me. I say that about every great thing that's happened to me, but it's just, I'm, I'm so, so lucky. I think, you know, it was no secret. I'd kind of spoken about this on social media in the past where I was like, I'm kind of looking to move away from doing like traditional stand-up. Mm. I loved doing my show, you know, I was on the Live 6 tour. I loved it. The reaction was brilliant. So many incredible experiences doing that. And I love doing that because I love connecting with people. To me, it's not about funny because mm. like, anyone can be funny. You know, you step yeah. on a banana skin, you're funny. You know, that's <laughs> funny. But it's like connection with people is so important. You know, yeah. you guys know this from the podcast, mm. you know, having to connect with an audience is difficult, but it's so important. It's really crucial. And I think I was like, do I really, you know, I'm, I'm 36 now. I was like, do I really want to be tracking to some terrible club or some terrible pub in the middle of London mm. on a Wednesday night for no money just to say, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and I think definitely having this time off has made me go, okay, cool. What do I really need in my life to make me feel happy? I was like, right. And, you know, I want to spend time with my parents. I am a homebody. Like, I love being at home. You know, I love kind of just chilling. And, yeah. And I'm, a, you know, and I was like, that doesn't really fit in with, yeah. Like the life that I want. it's a hard grind it is really hard grind going to clubs and gigs and late nights and, and all that yeah, stuff and like yeah. putting yourself out there and like living off like Tesco meal deals and like yeah you know when you're just like and then you just feel rubbish and then and because I'm a I'm an actress as well I'd mm. be like doing that gig and then on the way home it'd be on, I'd be on the train home at like midnight or whatever reading lines for an audition the next yeah, day yeah yeah and then and then you're up at like first thing in the morning and then it's like you don't eat properly because you're kind of snapping in between yeah. Yeah. working out so I don't feel connected to my body. I'm not mm. drinking enough water and it all like, you know, just shows up in your skin. And it your does, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I don't feel great. Like I don't mm. feel great about this. And I think also like the more you do something, I guess it's like this for you guys as well, that like you start out in an industry and you think it's going to go somewhere and you think that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. And then you get there and you're like, this is great, but I want to do more. Yeah. And, like writing for me has been something that obviously like I've always loved writing stories creative mm. writing was totally my jam like yep. did English literature at A level loved it loved it loved it but I guess in my head I was always like people who write books are really clever like people who write books did like yeah. an MA in creative writing <laughs> yeah, from, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't have I'm not I'm not academic in that way like I don't I love learning but I'm not like sit down write an essay type of academic and so when they approached me with this idea for a book deal and they were like, and this is like, what do you think about writing about this? I was like, yeah, I love this because like, where are the Punjabi female voices? Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. TV or whether, you know, film or whatever. Rewind. Let's take it back. Know your roots. How old were you when you moved to, to out of Leeds? I was only four when I moved out, so I don't remember and much. And you escaped, it, but, uh, you escaped the accident rolling at four. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did have it when I was here, and I I did get bullied for it at school because they were like, "She talks funny." Um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have it. It comes out. It comes out if I'm around people with the Yorkshire yeah. accent. It will come out. Does it? By the end of this accent, I'll I'll I end of this <laughs> podcast. I'll be <laughs> full, full on Yorkshire. I'll be full on. I'll be full on. I'll be like. <laughs> All right. Full on, full on, Chapel Town, all right. <laughs> Brilliant. So as you, as you said, you, you were born in Leeds and you lived the first four years of your life in Leeds and then you moved down to Kent uh, in, late. I'm assuming, late 80s, early 90s. What Very was good. the 
first song you remember hearing which made an impression on you around that time? It's so hard to say that. I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, it's a weird one with me in music because I grew up in a house where like, my parents are very strict observancy. Yep. So we were not listening to, and also I'm an only child, so like I was not allowed to listen to any music that wasn't religious. Okay. So growing up, I, I heard Geethan a yeah. lot. Like mm. that's all I heard was like yeah. a lot of Geethan. And the only kind of exposure I had to songs, apart from like the odd Punjabi film that, you know, dad's recorded off the telly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's back when they used to be on. Um, I, the only time I really heard music, I guess was at wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's this, I remember, and the only reason I remember this song sticking out is because I remember I mean, I guess this trend has come back now, but in the 80s, you know, like how everybody had a smoke machine. Yeah. At, at <laughs> yeah. their wedding. At the weddings, like everybody yeah, had yeah, a smoke yeah. yeah. And, it, and I'm just pretty sure it was like not safe <laughs> at all because they were like, I remember just like billowing smoke and feeling really claustrophobic. <laughs> and it was like, it had a really yeah. weird smell and it made me feel a bit sick. And, it, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is just horrible. Um, I'm sure like the smoke machine industry has come along since then. But the, <laughs> yeah, it's really the obvious yeah. game now and made it less <laughs> toxic. It smells better now, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Oh gosh. I just remember like it just being like really um like confused and like discombobulated because yeah. you're on the dance floor as a kid yeah, and then yeah. you're like, oh my god, like where's my, where's my family? I can't see anything. <laughs> yeah, that really it's just like the blitz. The, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the song that I remember was playing was um uh the Safri Badlagade. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What and so I'm sure there's I know, I'm sure there's like earlier songs that I remember, but I guess for me, I was always the one as soon as I discovered headphones, uh, was the one kind of listening to music on the sly. Like mm. constantly listening to music on set. And even now, like I'm 36, even now, like if I'm listening to like a bit of Drake or whatever, or like I've always got to kind of like turn it, turn it down or like put my headphones on. So yeah, so it's a bit of a weird one for me because music was kind of forbidden mm. in that way. Um, and I used to, I mean, I was one of those kids that learned how to do Gibson and play the harmonium. And so like that, I'm not musical at all. Mm. I cannot sing. I hated performing, if you can believe yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, I did it every week. You know, that's what your parents <laughs> tell you to do. So you do Absolutely, it along with yeah. Punjabi school and everything. So, so yeah, so I guess like definitely Punjabi, definitely like, you know, old school. And that's kind of where I've stuck. Old school. 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 The music that you always found yourself interested in in them early years, or did you find yourself liking any other type of genres when you were younger? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I like properly for me, like discovered music around about like year eight at school. I yeah, remember yeah. like kind of discovering, and then I was like into like Nirvana and mm. Blur. Um, I'm definitely Team Oasis now. Like back, yeah. back then, I was like. <laughs> Back then, Oasis were a bit scary and I didn't really get it. Now I'm like, Oasis are amazing. (laughs) I watched the Supersonic documentary twice through and cried my way through it. You should Um, hear Matt's rendition of Wonderwall. Bloody hell. Amazing. (laughs) I mean, don't keep us waiting. This is is your time. This is your time. So I don't want to take away from you. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice, nice. You're slippery there, you You're slippery there. Um, So I, yeah. So basically, I was kind of like that kind of indie, grungy 
kind of kid really yeah. into that really Brit into Pop Cooler Shaker thing. as well yeah, yeah. yeah like Cooler Shaker I was really into um, so those are the kind of songs that I'd I'd listen to um, back then but then I think I went to a school that there weren't very many um, other Punjabi girls hmm. there. It was an all-girls school, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not many other Punjabi girls there. And I think it wasn't really cool to be Punjabi, if you see what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, in the mainstream, it wasn't. Yeah. This is like, what, 97, 98? Mm. Uh, before kind of goodness gracious me came in. But even then, it's like, it's a weird thing with your identity, of course, like when you're British and you're Asian. And I think definitely I kind of downplayed my Asian side in order to kind of get through yeah yeah, yeah. I think a lot point. of us have had to I do that I think you end up becoming a bit of a sorry yeah, I, think, mm. I think a lot of us have, have had to do that over the years to try and be accepted in what we're doing we kind of have to play yeah. the role that we need to play to become accepted and absolutely it's like you kind of whitewash yourself a little bit, a little yeah, bit sure. don't you in absolutely. order to just kind yeah, of yeah yeah I didn't realise I was probably doing that until uh, a much later age I mean because mm. obviously some, some of the fr- some friends that I have are they appear more Punjabi than me. I mean, obviously, I I am very much deep into my Punjabi roots and I, I speak Punjabi and all that kind of stuff at home. But mm. when I was at school, I was almost a slightly different person. And maybe yeah. that was a way of being accepted. And yeah, I think that, that came through my music that I listened to as well. Like, I don't know about mm. you, but listening to Punjabi music in your headphones at school wasn't a cool thing. No, not at all. It's like, no, I'm not listening to like Michael Jackson or I'm listening to Tupac. <laughs> And that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah weird, isn't it? How it's it, it just it kind of like less than mm. you know. And I think mm. and like now there's a term for it, so we understand it. Now we know what we were doing is code yeah. switching. Yeah. Um. And you know, and we kind of I think a lot of us do that. Like, I know that if I'm in a generally, you know, look, I work in the arts. It's very white. You know, it's very white. It's very male. If I'm mm. in a group, or you know, if I'm in a meeting or whatever, and I'm on a Zoom call, I'm the only Punjabi person there, or the only person of color there. I know that my accent mm. changes. Like yeah. it's kind of, I don't even have to think about switching. Like in, instantly you're talking a bit, you know, a bit more, yeah. you know, maybe you're enunciating I, a bit more. Maybe you're switching yeah, up a yeah. bit taller. Maybe your Punjabi accent comes out. <laughs> no, can you imagine? <laughs> you should do that just to mess with them next time. You should do that. I should do that. Way. Next time, next time I go and see my tongue, I say, I'm but the the thing is, you're absolutely right. You do you do end up enunciating a little bit more and sitting up a little bit top. But the, the weird thing is, is that you still get the questions like, "Oh, yeah. so so where are you from?" or them yeah. kind of things, where you kind of think, yeah. "Oh, well, I'm, I'm from Kent." It's like, no, yeah, where are you yeah. originally from? Where are you yeah. really from? Yeah. I think oh, this Leeds. Is the thing, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you want to go there, mate? Um, <laughs> My mum used to say something, which I used to kind of cringe at when you're when I was a kid. But now I kind of understand it a bit more, especially now with whole, you know everything with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything. Mm. Where she was, you know, she would be like, "We are never going to be white." Yeah, you know. So if somebody was doing something that she, you know, and I was like, "Oh, you know, that's not okay." Like, blah, blah, blah. but now I understand what she meant. Is like you have mm. to be authentic to who you are. There's no point yeah, pretending absolutely. to be this person. Like, you know, there's no point kind of anglicizing your name or saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, can you not say Bolivinda?" Oh, fine, fine, fine. Yeah, call me Paul. That's fine. You know, there's like, yeah, she, she, my mum would be kind of like quite harsh about that kind of stuff, and I used mm. to be like, "Oh, mum, you need to like chill out, be beautiful." Yeah, 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 yeah. But now I get it because what she's saying is, don't shrink yourself. Mm. You know, don't don't kind of make yourself smaller or make yourself seem unimportant in order to make you more palatable. Yeah. 
yeah. to other people. I think that's, that's a really, really strong, strong, message, strong yeah. message. And you mentioned goodness gracious me then. It's like the, the Coopers on that really nailed that, yeah, nailed yeah, yeah. that yeah. sentiment really, really well. Also, yeah, deeper. but it's, it's, it happens <laughs> yeah. and, and it, it does happen. And I think it still happens. And I think it's really mm. important to that people do remember that it, their identity is okay. It's good. You should embrace it and not try and sweep mm. it under the carpet and pretend like, oh, it's not cool or it's not accepted. That's, that's yeah. a, a real like subtle but big issue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's kind of like not as extreme as kind of yeah. other issues. Like yeah. I totally get it. But I think it's all part of that. Like, you know, the fact that we feel like we need to do that, I'm sure it's all part of white supremacy. You know, that's all the, the ways that we kind of shrink down and the ways that we're like, oh, no, no, I can't be. Yeah, you know, I should definitely. be like, the, mm. the, yeah, like I need to be like the model yeah. immigrant. You know, we're called like the good immigrants as Asians. Yeah. So, yeah. So, in them early years when you were at school and you started listening to um, and exposing yourself to this Britpop kind of music and stuff, what, what was the first vinyl CD or tape do you remember buying around that time? I actually didn't buy because I wasn't given pocket money. Okay. So I didn't, I was like, did not have, I mean, I'd have like birthday money and stuff. But you know, when your mum used to take it from me, she'd be yeah. like, I'd save it and then you'd never <laughs> bloody see it never again. Never see it again. <laughs> Just spent on raised beds now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bet you I'll come to it and, you know, where, where, if I ever do get married, I'll be like, where's that money? And she'll be like, oh, you know, spent it all on Akka and stuff. Like, she won't, she won't, I don't think she saved it. Um, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I try to remember because obviously it would have been an it was an album. I think it was. I wonder if it was Cooler Shaker actually. Oh really? I wonder if it was that. Yeah, that. Bit, I can't remember the the name of the album. Brimful now, of Asher, it's kind of gone. It was the tune, was it? It was no. That was no, that was that Corner, was Corner Shop. Shop. That was Corner Shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's was Corner right, Shop, yeah. and this this was um like they did like they do. It's on the it's on the tip of my tongue. Song. Uh-huh. It's so annoying, isn't it? Uh... Hush, hey something hush. hush that yeah. was it yeah that was it it was that album it was that album and i mean the irony of me listening to some to like white people singing about like using asian influence yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, i mean it's like yeah. even when i'm like trying to get away from it i'm still li- listening to you know listening to stuff yeah with stars and mm. stuff like that but i do remember like when i was a teenager getting like the old kind of stereo, putting my headphones into the little jack yeah. and listening to Bobby Bobby Friction like late at night. Okay, yeah. I'd never heard, I'd, I'd heard of like Punjabi music, mm. you know, I'd heard of like, you know, Mugid Singh and Hida and Alab and stuff. And then I'd yeah. heard of obviously the Britpop side of things. Mm. And then I was like, whoa, this is like Asian, but it's like fusion, but yeah. it's like hip hop. And, yeah. and I was like, what is this? And it like the kind of those sounds of the Asian underground just like, blew my mind that for me as well that that radio one time when bobby friction was on there and nahal really opened my mind up to the fact that hang on you can be asian and do these different sounds like we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago like with uh, with caper like asian dub foundation and uh, Mm. last week we spoke about um and sony and all them guys who were identifiers like our people but yes. they're doing this completely different sound. And for a significant period of time, I was listening to that music thinking, hang on a sec, you don't necessarily need to be a Bhangra DJ because you're yeah. Punjabi. You can do anything else. Yeah, of course. I mean, people obviously will, will try and steer you towards that or try and put you in that yeah. box. But like, how lovely. And I was like, oh, this, I mean, it makes me now want to just like go and listen to like yeah. an Arrow of Asian <laughs> Dub Foundation because, you know, I was like, well, what, like, where's that movement yeah, now? Yeah. 
No, well, you know, it is, it's I mean, gone I deeper underground. Like, it was underground before. It's gone deeper. Yeah. Now. Definitely. I, I mean, what, what an ex- I really wish I'd been older at that time because, like, mm, what an exciting yeah. time mm. to have like gone out and like I would have. I'd love to go out to. I'd say a club, a, no, somewhere quiet where I can just listen to. It. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like when I was younger, I would have loved to have gone out and listened to that for like a solid four or five hours. Yeah, great. Like listening to this. Thing. Yeah. Anyway, I think I, I think that's a, that's a, it's a. I kind of look at that time, like you said, around maybe 97 to the early noughties, that that period of time, yeah, you had goodness gracious me. So there was a lot more Asian people on TV and people that we could relate to. And what mm. all of it was satire and it was, it was funny and it was comedic, but you kind of thought, bloody hell, that's so true. Like Lino, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like Lino only existed in Indian yeah. households. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then obviously, like you say, the kind of music as well. And then I remember... Definitely around that time, the BBC did start doing like the Malay cream of Asian comedy. And mm. that was, a, but it was on at like two in the morning and you had to tape yeah. it. Yeah, because Asians aren't, Asians aren't mainstream. But that exactly. was the time where we're like, that feels like that was the last time that we were like in fashion because, you know, yep. Madonna was yeah. wearing a bindi, you know, yep. Gwen Stefani was wearing a bindi, the Spice Girls Absolutely. Were, in, were in India doing something, wearing sari tops and salavars, which I remember yeah. my mum catching. My mum was like, I can see them now. Like, she was like, what is this? Like, such a mum thing. Yeah, she's like, and so it, it felt like we were kind of in fashion. But even then, I don't know about how you felt. I didn't feel like it was, it really spoke to my background as a working class, Punjabi, British mm. Asian, like, child of immigrants like it didn't really it was kind of like fun and it was great goodness gracious me it was was fantastic but mm. it feels like what like what's happened yeah. since then like there's there wasn't really yeah, a no. movement well it was just fashion wasn't it i think like yeah, you, uh, a at trend. the time at the time like i remember as well it it was dubbed by channel four as the indian summer as well when um yeah. india came over in the pred cricket uh against england and i went to to see it at trent bridge and i was like oh this is so cool they've kind of got this indian theme going and you could identify yeah. with that. And it's cool at the time, but you look back and you kind of think, well, what happened yeah. since then? But also because, like, we're not a trend. Exactly, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? We're not we're a theme. We're not, you know, yeah. I mean, like, we've yeah. been here for ages. Yeah. We'll continue to be here, you know, despite the Tory party. But, like, you know, we'll continue <laughs> to be here doing, doing our thing. So it's like, when you think about it now with, like, your, your 2020 kind of, you know, lens on, mm. it's a bit like, is that a bit offensive? That you thought that we were just like a little flash in the pan. We'll talk about yeah. this for a little bit. Like mm. we're a trend, like right. a fashion, Absolutely. you know, like, like along with combat trousers or like yeah. pickers or whatever. It's like, so it's like oh well. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the fake ones. From the um, I, <laughs> so you're talking about fashion and probably the, the, the stuff that you wore in school, what were your school years like? Did you always find yourself to be a performer or the funny one in your friendship group? But was it, was that the kind um, of personality that you had? I hated school. Like, let me just start off with that. I loved primary school. I hated secondary school. I felt like I, I was like top of the class in primary school. I went to secondary school and I never quite found my feet. Mm. Like I just kind of felt like that. So when people are like, Oh, school days, the best of your life. I'm like, how depressing mm. is that? You've got the rest of your life. Yeah, and you think yeah. that that time was, you know, the best. Um, 
so I was very happy to leave school. But I think, yeah, I think I was, uh, I was a very shy child. So yeah. I definitely wasn't a performer type. It started coming out kind of in my teen years. I think I remember making jokes. I don't remember what the jokes were, but I remember people looking at me like, did she just say that? Or like that quiet one, you know, I was like <laughs> the quiet chubby kid with the yeah. NHS glasses and the mustache, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of who I was. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, and then I did like a, I did drama GCSE and then I was like, Oh, like I love this. But even then, because I'm such an overthinker, even then I was like, Oh, I love performing. And then I was like, Oh, is it because I'm trying to like run away from who I am? Like, <laughs> like for God's sake, like it's just, <laughs> it's just, just check off, do it. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I loved, I loved drama and I loved English. Like those were my like two loves and I loved performing in, in that aspect. But of course, like, I no one no one ever tells you it, c- it can be a career, you know. No one no yeah. one was going. Oh, Especially yeah, in an Indian that. household, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nobody tells you. No, I was. I didn't even dream of being a performer as a career. Mm. Like I didn't even dream of it, you know. And even like in sixth form, when all my friends were like, um, I went to a really academic school, which probably in hindsight wasn't the best match for me. But um, my friends were like, Yeah, I want to be doctors. I'm going to go and going to study science at uni, and we're going to do this, this, and this. And, and I was like, They all had their Every single one of them had their part, you know, mm. whether that was going to uni or whether that was, you know, doing some other sort of course at a college or whatever. I had absolutely no idea. Yeah. I had zero idea. And I felt so, I felt like such a weirdo for not knowing. Mm. Like, I think, I think also because it was only really about six years ago, five years ago that I decided what I did want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of like, that's a long time drifting yeah. from like 18 all the way up to 30, just like not really knowing. But yeah, like I'm not a natural born performer, not like a, obviously my parents didn't take me to stage school on a Saturday, you know, they yeah. took me to Punjabi school on a Saturday, <laughs> you know, they didn't. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I wasn't a, like a traditional kind of performer, you know, like those kids at wed- like at mm. parties, you know, when they're like, ah, oh, you know? <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't that kid. <laughs> oh, you, did, you didn't quickly do a skit. You mean uh, family <laughs> weddings or anything like that? I was always just hiding behind my mum's journey. I was always yeah. like that little kid who was yeah. so scared. <laughs> so around 2002, presumably you had just turned 16. Um, mm. You left school and you started training at the court theatre company. How was mm. that for you? And I know you talked about just now that it's not, it wasn't really a traditional route. How was that taken? And what was your experience at home going into that? I'll keep it really short because God, there's a whole saga, but it was <laughs> tough. It's tough. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's tough. You know, my parents, neither of them were lucky enough to be given much of a formal education. Hmm. So when it came to me, they were like, we want you to have that. We want you to have that. We want you to have that. Like, regardless of whether I wanted it, yeah. they wanted me to have that. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time I was like, oh my God, the thought of sitting and learning now at a desk for another three years at uni or two years or whatever, I can't do it. So mm. I kind of got in and then I told them and they all kicked off. And it was just like, that was like pretty much the whole of my twenties was just me going, no, I'm going to do this. And my mum going, go work in a bank. And me going, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And like, you know, and it kind of, you know, it's been a really long journey to get to a place yeah. now where I can truly be like, be like myself with my parents, like we can chill. And I really like, we really appreciate each other. And like the love has always been there. But I think it's been a really, really tough journey for us. And it was literally only that. This is why when people are like, oh, my parents are never going to come around to it. But, you know, when I like speak to like younger people, like 
I was 35 when my parents went, okay, we get it now. Yeah. Literally last year. Like it was when, a year when ago. When your dad probably got a WhatsApp message and it was one of your videos. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, it. this is what she does. It was, <laughs> you know what? You know what it is? It was my chachi who did it because she called up and she okay. was like, we actually, my chachi from Leeds, you know, oh, say, you know, we, we love watching sitcom, whatever, like, you know, on YouTube or whatever. Like, she's really funny. And I'd always kept that kind of side away from my parents because I think I was just a bit like, you're not right. going to approve of right. it. Yeah. It's just going to like cause more aggro. Like, why should I, even though it's such a huge mm. part of my life, I was like, let's just keep it separate because it's just mm. a bit easier that way. Mm. Um, and it was finally last year, I was like, look, it's time to get them to come to your show they came to see a show at my local theater where there's like you know i live in a very punjabi area yeah. there's like 400 other punjabis there there's like half the goddaughters there my dad mm. knows everyone like yeah. they know everyone you know my mom's wearing a best suit you know best yeah. footy. like she's like <laughs> you know doesn't quite get what we're doing like yeah. she was a bit like you know what quite, is this <laughs> yeah 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 she was a bit like and i was like look this is what i'm gonna do she's like e? i was like look just just watch it it'll be fine and um and i think because they saw it, they were like, oh, okay, she's not doing anything shameful. She's not doing like, mm. you know, she's not embarrassing herself or other people. You know, she's she's just kind of, this is what she does. And look at how, you know what it is like for our parents, you know. Yeah. It's important to them what other people think of you. Absolutely. You know, and as soon as they saw that other people were having a positive reaction, they were like, oh, yeah. they were like, fine, like you can do this now. Yeah. Um, so, we, uh, you know, it, it was tough. Like, you know, going to drama school was really tough. I didn't have a support network. Mm. You know, I kind of just had to tough it out on my own. Obviously, I don't have siblings. So I was kind of like, I don't know how, like looking back at it now, I'm like, it's quite a kind of ballsy yeah. thing yeah, to do sure. to like yeah. go yeah. from your tiny little it, town. It really you is. Know. It really is. I mean, some people just they do the university route and like, like myself, yeah. I did, I did a design degree and my brother did like maths and, uh, and computer yeah. science and that kind of thing. So to my dad, it was kind of like, mm, what are you going to become from this? Because mm. to them, the sciences is the way forward. So I yeah. thought then I was going to get screened, but to, to, to go to drama school or performing school yeah. and train and drop all of the types of education yeah, is ballsy and you know, I commend you for it. It's, and it, it's paying dividends now, which is, which is fantastic. But I did, I did want to just highlight the, the point that you were saying that there's, there's a lot of people who do similar things and they have mm. a separate home life to their yeah. school life. And we was mm. talking about it a little bit earlier on, but so when you did go to drama school, did you find that your personality was evolving and your musical personality did you start listening to to different things did you start becoming more, much more free in your musical yeah. tastes because obviously at home like you said you just listen to gear i just not. couldn't yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah definitely i spent a lot of money actually i remember just buying lots of cds you know <laughs> i got really into like Jimi hendrix for like a whole six months oh, I really? to, like it's our old back catalog Jimi hendrix um I think, yeah, I think you kind of, because I guess I was so young when I went, I was one of the youngest ones there at 18. Everybody else generally goes to drama school. You know, they do the academic thing and they might go like in their mid-20s yeah. or, you know, even later. So I guess for me, my, my personality was developing. I had absolutely no idea who I was, you know. Mm. I, no, I didn't have a clue. I was like so green. I was, so, I was like as green as the leaves on the tree. I was <laughs> like so naive. So I think, yeah, that was great. The fact that I could like now go to gigs, I had like the freedom of like, doing that of like going to gigs and stuff I went to my first gig actually was to go and see The Thrills I don't know if you know the band The Thrills yeah oh, wow. so they were I don't think they've done much 
since but like okay. in the early 2000s they were like that's, that's <laughs> when they came up and i used to buy like nme and stuff and like listen to the white stripes yeah 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 like yeah that was definitely like the more kind of experimental phase in terms of like also like how i dress and what music i love to listen to and mm. all sorts of things so yeah that was a fun time so that, that it really sounds like the the kind of music you listened to there helped shape your personality almost as well or was it the fact that people that you were around helped shape that personality and you were influenced by by then yeah that, i think definitely the latter because again drama school or yeah. white yeah. you know yeah. i think there i was one of like three or four non-white students mm-hmm. there and i think now it's very different like drama schools are a bit more diverse although diversity in drama schools is a huge issue but like then I guess, again, I was really rejecting that Punjabi side, the really rejecting that side of my culture without realising it. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing Shakespeare and it's like Stanislavski and it's all of, it's theatre and it's all of this and that's the stuff that's taught to you and that's the stuff that you kind of like get into. When I graduated from drama school, then I was like going up for parts and stuff and you just realise that I'm all I'm going to be seen as is Asian woman, you know, or yeah, junior yeah. doctor or, you know terrorist wife or you know (laughs) that's that's kind of that's and I didn't even fit in there because they were like oh you're kind of like you know in my early 20s and they were like oh you know you kind of have to either be that kind of whole Bollywood extremely glamorous look yeah or you have to be like a lot older so even then that's one of the reasons why I stopped doing acting in my early 20s was Mm. because I was like I there's no room for me in this industry I don't fit in yeah anywhere well, that, that, that was actually going to be my next question. I, I saw that there, there was a gap of five or six years after yeah. uh, you were seven training. Years. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. As, as long as seven years. Um, mm. But then you did go back to uni, didn't you? And you did event management. So yeah. was, that, was that the kind of thing that you <laughs> thought, hang on a sec, I don't fit in any of these boxes, so let me just try something else? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think I was like 23 when I did my last acting job. It wasn't really getting anywhere. I was... In hindsight, I wasn't very well, like mental health wise. I think obviously mm. at the time I didn't realize it, but yep. looking back at it now, I'm like, I don't even know how I got through that time. But like, mm. I then was like working in a school doing, um, supporting children with learning disabilities and stuff. So, which I loved, I loved doing that job, you know, mm. I really enjoyed it. And, so um, and yeah, incredibly, uh, not financially, but like, you <laughs> know, <laughs> in so many other ways. Um, and I just thought, I have to go to uni now. I don't know where, I just got it into my head. I was like, I have to go to uni. And it's one of those things, I'm one of those people, if I get something in my head, I have to do it. Yeah. And then I did it. I hated it. Hated it every second of it. I made two very good friends out of it. So that's kind of worth it. But, but you know. <laughs> that's worth no, the it's fees. Really worth it. They, yeah, that's <laughs> worth it. I mean, and I got in, that was the year before the fees just like rocketed. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it was actually quite good timing. So thank you, God, for saving me from that one. <laughs> uh, but I hated it. I hated it. I came out with like, I don't even know what I got to, one, two, two. Like I hate, I hardly ever went. Yeah. I was just, I was just a bit kind of like in my late twenties, everybody else is doing their own thing. And I was like, what am I doing? Doing yeah, a degree that yeah. I don't even really like, you know, my mum loved it. Mum came to the graduation. She cried when she saw me in my cap and gown. Mm. So I was like, Jello, fine. Yeah. She's got that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, all she's yeah, ever yeah, really yeah. wanted. The picture's to see on me. the mantle and that's it now. Yeah, yeah. it's there, mate. It's yeah. there, honestly. And she, <laughs> she takes it. She took it out. Oh my God. I'm going to tell you this really quickly. Basically, I don't know where we'd put it. We we're having some work done to the house, of course. Last year, we had a porch built because um, we don't have enough room. There's three of us. Like, how much room do we need? 
But my mum you know, wants Indians to love put a the... porch, so they can put the I shoes know, there and that shoes. kind of stuff. Yeah. Put, put your shoes there. Um, so, <laughs> somewhere to put all your chopper on. Yeah, got. exactly. So basically, the builder was like, oh, like, I notice you've got a, a daughter, like, uh, you know, and she was like, yeah, yeah, and she's not married. And he was like, oh, you know, I know of a few people. And she put that photo is in a massive, like, frame. It's like a huge one of just, like, me on my own, with, you know, the yeah. little fake degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came downstairs and it's right in the middle of the living room <laughs> because she knew that the builder was going to come back with like potential like rest stuff for me. So yeah. she's, like, she's just kept it right there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of showcase that you're used to. <laughs> Isn't it? I was like, what, what are you doing? I mean, nothing ever happened. I'm still here. Still yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, that, that, was a, that was a good time. And also like in terms of performance, just to link it back to like when we talk about music mm. it's, it's not just talking randomly <laughs> about my life but um I always if I'm doing a show I mm. always have a soundtrack so if I'm doing a play or um I'll always have a soundtrack and then mm. before my tour I always listen to like a certain song so okay is it does that kind of get you in a, a certain kind of mindset then it, so you put that tune to that particular tour and that is almost your theme yeah definitely definitely and if it's if it's a play that i'm doing or a film or whatever then it's um to do with character yeah to kind of get me it's just a way to like get into character Mm. and then if it's my tour then it's just to kind of get me revved up and kind of feeling quite good and like confident and positive you know uh, regardless of like what's happened during the day to kind of just get into the zone so 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 when you was doing the the teaching and the social care which you said you you enjoyed so much Mm. were you kind of still eyeing up the performing arts side of things, looking at what opportunities were there, maybe going to the odd audition, that kind of thing. No. Oh, you, so it was Literally nothing. Behind. Wow. Honestly, yeah. I totally, I closed the door from it. I was like, that part of my life is over. It's time to grow up. Like that, wow. I just totally closed the door on it. I 100% never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now. I genuinely was like, you've done that. You've tried it. It wasn't for you. It didn't work out. Okay, cool. You gave it your best shot um mm. that's fine I, and I you know in that time I didn't even go to the theater that much I wasn't even like really into films a lot of and it was easier then because a lot of my friends that I'd gone to drama school with were all mm. like you know buying houses getting married starting babies so they weren't doing yeah. it either so a lot of people had left so I wasn't really around creative right. people in that sense mm. um but you know and I but I also for like a number of reasons just wasn't very happy either yeah like you know, just not very satisfied you know yeah, kind of like Something just missing. there's just something yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it was and that's, it's, what, it's I, that's what i've thing always felt with with us as well um m- myself and mac we were on the the dj circuit for a number of years and then it got to around 2003 and certain things were happening in my life that i ended up leaving it behind a little bit and it became more of a, a hobby um yeah. I, I met my wife and I, I i decided to spend more time with her uh and once you stop doing gigs People stop calling you back and start yeah. uh, start booking you and stuff like that. And but then I, I found for a period from 2003 up until this year that I I fell out of love with music a little bit as well, uh, which is really funny because I've always loved the art of DJing and everything got to do with DJing. But I fell out of love with music because I was I just wasn't listening to the crap that was coming out. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I was still kind of nostalgic about the old stuff. And I like that, mm. but th- 
but nothing reignited that flame inside uh, inside for for music again. And it, it's funny that I can almost relate to that kind of thing where you you said you wasn't even going to the theater and you yeah. wasn't even yeah. watching movies because you kind of kind of felt like you just left it behind. Yeah, and it's not like I was going, oh, I wish I was doing this, or oh, I wish I was, yeah. you know, it's not like I was watching stuff going, oh, I could play that part, or I mm. could do that. I, there was nothing of that in me at all, mm. like at all. It was just, it yeah. was a proper break. You yeah, know, it's a proper like, it was yeah. like a breakup, really. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, yeah. and I was, done you the world. I like, not- think back it, about it now. Like sometimes that complete break from yeah. something, and not the break where it's like oh I really want to do it but I'm just not doing it just a complete break it kind of refreshes, yeah. you, refreshes you and recharges your battery so when you do go back into it go back fresh mm. you're completely fresh absolutely yeah absolutely like yeah. it gives you perspective as well you know mm. because I think for so long ever since I was younger I've always known that I was like a mm. little bit different you know I've mm. never really like wanted to go you know unlike the Punjabi girls I grew up with I never wanted to like become a doctor or become a lawyer or whatever you know I never wanted to do that I never wanted to get married young and have kids and have a big house with the Mm. black and gold gates with the lions on them I was like that's not like (laughs) it's not picking fences it's fucking (laughs) you know it but I never wanted that I didn't know what I wanted but I knew what I didn't want and what I didn't want was to like live in that live that kind of life sometimes that's more important isn't it to know what you don't want as opposed to what you do want yeah yeah it's like a process of elimination you kind of go well I don't want that and this is going to lead me there but I think I had a stigma about myself throughout all of that because I was like why can't you be normal like your life would be so much easier if you had no ambition like your life would be so much easier that's only the perceived normal though it's not actually normal yeah you know what I mean absolutely absolutely and it's like something that I have to catch myself doing now when I'm like especially like around my birthday and stuff, I'm always a bit like, oh, you should have got this. And I was like, hold on, right. where is that coming from? Like, yeah, yeah, I, don't re- I don't really think that. That's just an idea that I've been that's, conditioned that's to exactly think. That's exactly it. Absolutely. Exactly it. Because it's like we're, when we were talking mm. earlier about, you know, pushing our culture away, we also, our culture does mm. at the same time put a lot of pressure on us to do certain things by certain times and in a certain way that if you don't do it, you're made to feel like you're yeah. not normal. Yeah, or yeah, you failed yeah. in some way, or yeah, you know, or right. you're not good enough in some way. And I think, and that's the kind of downside yeah. of that kind of pressure that you feel when you're part of like such a tight knit community, isn't mm, it? That, that kind of like that comparison thing, you know, being compared constantly to other people. And then we grow up and we're yeah. comparing. You know, I was kind of thinking about it recently. I was like, why do I compare? And I was like, that's, because literally, as far back I can remember, my mom's going, that's what I've been talking yeah, you know, yeah. Even as little kids, you know, when your mum would yeah. be like, look yeah, at him yeah. or look at her, Absolutely. look at what they're doing, yeah, you know. <laughs> Within yeah. the same household, it was me and my brother. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So in 2011, then something must have clicked because then you featured in a movie, Terry, uh, as Mrs. Sanger. Oh, yeah. So basically that was somebody that I went to drama school with, Nick, okay. who I went to drama school with, yeah. made, this, uh, made this thing. And do you know what? The joy about doing that was there was no script oh brilliant so my performance there was there was a script no my god but like my part was completely um improvised wow that's that's, amazing that's what it was and he and he and also and also because he was like he was like i've just found out jay sean's real name can we call (laughs) you camel jay (laughs) (laughs) i was like yeah you can you can but i remember watching that back and going oh like very kind of like a very small part of me was like, oh, I can. I've never done screen acting before, and actually mm. that wasn't bad. Like, a kind of going, oh, I can actually do that. 
Um, but it's great because there's no pressure because it wasn't my career. It was just yeah. like a day, a fun, yeah. you know, it was like, it was like a, a Saturday when I was like, cool, uh, I've done that. I've done a bit of acting. But even then I wasn't like, no, 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 because obviously the industry is very different from the mm. art. Like, you, yeah. you know, you know that, mm. you know, you might enjoy DJing, but the industry is never. It's completely different. Great. Yeah. 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 That's what we did. We actually didn't like much, to be honest. It was the yeah. the politics yeah. of it and having to having to speak to the right people and do all the right mm. things to, in order. Like, I love the art. And this is the reason why we kind of did the podcast, because it's something we can control. We're not mm. governed by an industry, almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, whereas trying to make it big as a DJ, you end up having to, to sell a bit of your soul, really. To, yeah, of course. To get to get through it so that's why we wanted to to kind of do something like this um mm. and it, it's crazy how that that journey of our musical journey kind of parallels and, and resonates within the arts as well in terms mm. of performing arts um which I, I find really really interesting but then obviously after like you said this was just a cameo in 2011 yeah. just a, a one-off shot kind of thing but did it kind of reignite some sort of passion because then a few years later, you ended up on the comedy circuit. So how did that come about? What was that journey of that three years? Well, basically, I turned 30 and I was walking home with a friend. And I was just at that time where, you know, obviously you turn 30, you have like all these different ideas in your head about what 30 looks like. And, you, mm. you know, you look at all your friends and you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? And, yeah. you know, and it's a new decade, you know, and it feels like okay, now's the decade where I have to make something happen because it feels like your 20s, you're just kind of like growing up. Yeah, yeah. And I very clearly and strongly felt at the time, I felt like I'd wasted my 20s because I was like, mm. you were just drifting. You didn't really set a goal. You didn't really do anything. You know, you were just kind of like, oh, I want to do it. Oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, I love it. Oh, I don't love it. Oh, there's no place for me in this business, whatever. Mm. And I remember walking home after celebrating my 30th and I was walking home with a friend and I just went, I'm, I want to give acting another go. And it came out of nowhere. And she yeah. was like, I think, she's like, I think you're mad. Like, why would you want to do that? Like, you know, you want something with a bit of security, stability, like you're 30 now. And I was like, I said, I just want to do it for a year, which is madness because it takes, you know, that, that famous quote, I think it's, I think it might be like De Niro. He said that it takes 10 years to become an overnight sensation. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Even, like saying like a year is nothing in terms of the industry yeah. and, and like in terms of like building your profile and stuff. I was like, just, I said, I'm just going to give myself a year. I'm just going to give myself a year. And then I like applied for this thing called Monologue Slam, where you pick a monologue or you write a monologue, and it's a competition. And loads of industry come and watch you. You, you have an audience yeah. as well, but there's like an industry panel and loads of agents and you know managers, whatever. Like people come and see you. Mm. And a friend was my friend was like, "You should do it. You should do it. You should do it." And I was like, "Oh, I don't." I, I was looking through like books of monologues you know speeches for women you know like yeah. going into libraries going into the national theater going into like going on google and i was like they're just not really for me like there's nothing here that really speaks to me so i wrote a monologue um about uh, a woman who's from bradford <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> enough, um, on her wedding day and uh, she's giving a speech at the reception and uh, she just she's she's just kind of like been given this mic and she's like oh all right uh, uh, i better say something then like you know she she's kind of, <laughs> she's just like she's a bit of, she's a bit of an idiot you know she's a bit of a boundary but you love her <laughs> yeah. and um and i went <laughs> and i went along and i wore like a full white dress you know back when there used to be that uh kind of real trend for punjabi brides to wear like the traditional punjabi red and then mm. for reception wear white like yeah, yeah, white, yeah. 
like yeah. you know more kind of English dress and I bought, bought this like really cheap kind of long white dress with a little veil and I like you know do my and I did this speech to you know it must have been like it was a full house so it was like five six hundred people wow and I was thinking about it the other day funnily enough and it was honestly one of the best nights of my life because really? I was up there and I was yeah. saying my own words and nobody was telling me what to say. And the audience reaction was amazing. And it was like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because a live before, you know, there's that live energy that you just don't get, Definitely. you know, which is why I, I haven't been doing like comedy gigs online. People are like, oh, I'll do it online. I'm like, yeah, what to yeah, a screen? Yeah. You know, it's like, that's, that's not, that's not why I do it. That's not why I you do need it. that so, feedback from the audience. Don't you? Yeah, and that's what and you like buzz that, off of. It, absolutely. You feed off of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I won the competition. Wow. And I got my agent and this was all within three months wow. deciding that I was going to do speed. it. Brilliant. And it, but do you know, and it feels to me like it, every, it yeah. just felt like divine timing. It felt like the universe, God, whatever yes. was like, you made, you said it, I'm making it happen. Now you need to grab it. And instantly like I got like my first TV job. I was in black, you know, I did black mirror. Yeah. All of these things started happening. I think as soon as, just life in it you get out of your own way and stuff starts happening I think when a lot of the time we're always going oh I shouldn't be doing oh should I be doing that and actually here it here it is and it was what like it was wonderful but I still didn't want to do (laughs) stand-up no because I think I think you did Black Mirror (laughs) was it like 2012 you you featured in in Black Mirror so shortly after like you said you did the the monologue Sam so following on from from all of this you it you create really took off then and you became a, a regular on BBC Asia Network's comedy shows then, um, mm, 2014 yeah. onwards kind of thing. Mm. And um, as well as with other comedy promoters and your face was regularly on TV, you featured on EastEnders. And and yeah. then you were in Victorian Abdul alongside the legend yeah. that is uh, Dame Judy Dench. Um, oh God, that must yeah. have been one hell of an experience as well. And like you said, not long weird. after thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to pick this acting thing back up. Yeah. Literally, that was uh, filmed that in 2016. So mm. like four years later, or less than four years later, I'm, you know, just like on set with, with you know, Judy Dench on the Isle of Wight, just doing this thing. And I was like, it's mad, isn't it? It's mad. And I still, I think at that time, since then, I've done a lot more. I've got a bit more experience on like TV and screen and things. So yeah. I know a bit more, but it's terrifying because you learn by doing it. Mm. No one can teach you how to do screen acting. Like they can teach you, they can teach you that. Mm. But until you're there in that environment and you're kind of going, I'm quite an anxious person anyway. So mm. I'm there like trying to like calm my nerves. Judy Dench is there, you know, all sorts of other like famous like actors that I've seen, you know, the cameras, the lights, the directors there. And I'm just like, oh, like the, the whole of that job was just me like... <laughs> <laughs> just like this the whole time just being like just being like just get through just don't get through just don't get fired just don't get fired but you know and I think it, it was such yeah. a dream of a job it was such yeah. fun to do it was such a dream and I met Eddie Izzard on that job oh wow and somebody had told him that I did stand up and I was like <laughs> why would you tell why why I mean yeah, like he's me a legend up, in stand-up himself you know what I, mean? yeah. I was like don't don't tell him in that you know we're, we're in this scene and I'm like in a full vodka and everything and we're just like <laughs> in between shots and and he turns and he says somebody tells me that uh you do stand-up and I was like I told him that <laughs> I was livid. but um but yeah he's definitely like one of my com- like one of my comedy heroes but even then I you know to me 
it's like stand up. I like I said, I kind of fell into it by accident because I love live performance, you know. And, yeah. And like, the, like, it's why I love theatre so much. But it was never like that was never the plan. But the irony is, I was always like, no, I'm an actress first. A bit snobby. I was a bit snobby about it. I was like, no, yeah. no, no, I'm an actress first, and then I'm a comedian. And then the irony is that that has been my bread and butter yeah. for like yeah. you know three years or whatever. Like that, I've done way more comedy than I've done acting, mm. and that is that's how I got my book deal. Because wow. somebody had seen my yeah, show, yeah. like yeah. editor had seen my show and gone, oh, you can write, because obviously you've written your own material. She's like, you yeah. can write, like write a book with us. Mm. Um, so it's all kind of worked out, wow. worked out really well, even though I now throughout the, this podcast, I realized how many signs <laughs> yeah. I missed along the way that like right. live yeah. performance <laughs> was my calling. Now I'm like, you just a little bit thick. Like, <laughs> so you got there in the end and not only did you get there, you're, you're smashing it now, which is yeah. such a great story to hear. Thank you. It, yeah, Thank I mean, you so much. the 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 crazy thing is, is like you said, it wasn't your or what you saw as your primary comedy mm. was, but it's actually turned into that. And I just want to touch on the platforms as well. I mean, obviously, you you did Edinburgh Fringe last year, um, yeah. but what's what's interesting is the BBC Asia Network has been underlying throughout your comedic journey. Yeah. I mean the road shows that you've you've done with them was yeah. that how did it feel to be well associated with them i mean obviously being let's be honest they they are a bit of a of a voice um yeah. musically and comedically as well for a lot of people in the country how mm. was it being associated with them and did you kind of feel as if you were meeting dj's and hosts and stuff that you kind of been listening to and that kind of thing what was what was your experience with that so basically I I think it was like a very early on. I think mm. it was like my fifth or sixth gig. And I it was at my local theatre and I did it. And I met the comedian Sindhu V. Okay, yeah. And um she I'd never met her before. I'm five foot nothing. She's like almost six foot and like so imposing and like in heels <laughs> and like looks like you know, she's just like really confident, like with her perfect hair. And uh, and I also like, I knew of her work and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm on the same bill as in Duvi. Like I'm just a baby at this. And and uh, I came off stage and she was like, hey, you give me your email like this. And I was like, <laughs> what? Give, give, give me your email like this. And I was like, oh yeah, have it, have everything. I'm like, put my money, like, <laughs> like take everything. It's, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, take it, take it. Um, and she basically... I didn't even know why because I was too scared to question her why she wanted it. She basically got in touch with the Asian network and was like, you need to book this girl onto your comedy shows. Brilliant. And they called me up. <laughs> I lied. They know about this now, so I can tell you. But they called me up and they were like, so how long have you been doing comedy? I was like, yeah, you know, three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been doing it for four years now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, three or four years, yeah, yeah. I've been and telling I jokes my whole life. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, and obviously I've got a background in performing, you know, which I, I basically just BS'd my way to yeah, my yeah. phone call. Oh, send us send us a clip. And I was like, I had this really bad grainy clip that somebody had like videoed when I was on stage and I sent it. I was like, this is not gonna happen, this is not gonna happen. I called up and they were like, Yeah, we want you. And that was the first time that I did it back in 2017. And after I did it and it went really well, <laughs> I remember going up to one of the one of the producers and being like, just so you know, that was my seventh gig. Because <laughs> I was like, I feel really bad. I've lied to you. I've lied to you. That was like seventh Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt really because I was like, I've smashed it now, so it's fine. 
Um, I thought I smashed it at the time. I look back at it now and it's like, that's the downside of like having like a very public and gig that early on is you look back at it and I was like, oh, what are you doing? What are you wearing? We should have got someone to do your hair. Like you should have, Mm. you know, you should have done this or you should have, you know, you could have developed that joke, whatever. But do you know what? They, the the fact that they called me back and obviously that um, from last year, um, that clip went viral, which I, so weird to me. I don't even know how things go viral. The only way I found out was because my mate Instagrammed me going, why is my mum showing me you on WhatsApp? She's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> she's like, my mum's just like, no, watch her, watch her. And she's like, yeah, I know. That's me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, brilliant. So yeah, it, it, like eternally grateful to Cindy V and eternally grateful to the Asian network because it's on it. It's really, you know, it's really, it's such a huge step in my career. Yeah. I, and the thing is you look at the build and like you say, you're all, mm. you've only really been doing uh, stand up and comedy for three or four years. Um, mm. but you look at the bills of the people that are on these shows, like your, your Sonia Mirza's and, and, and yeah. people like they've been in the game for years and for you to be <laughs> alongside that. It's a real, it, yeah, but it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a real, real compliment to, to you and, and your craft. The fact that you're on, oh, on the same you. lineups as them and long may it continue thank as you. well. Thank you and, so much. You're really making me want to do it now. I'm like, maybe I could do poverty. I really want to do poverty. <laughs> But the, the thing is as well, I, th- I, th- I think with, with the viral videos and stuff, I think the reason why they, they went v- uh, viral and, and as big as they did was because your comedy is so relatable. true, isn't it? The best and comedy is the things that people, yeah. it, it happens to them. And you, yeah, Either are afraid to, to say it. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know it's yeah. true. And the, yeah. best, the best comedy always touches that nerve and makes you really think, oh, yeah, that, is, that happens to me every single day of my life too. Yeah. Like my, my my wife absolutely loves you, right? And when I, oh. when I said to her, I said, "Oh, yeah, I'm getting suck odds on the passion." She goes, "The one that's in a house share with her mum and dad." I was like, "Yeah," because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. So that's an association now that people have because of this viral association, and yeah. it's a credit to your writing as well. It's the things that people aren't saying that want to say that kind of thing. It's oh, it's that, a little bit it's funny that as well. And actually, I, I really yeah. think um, Thank what I love about it is that. You know, we're talking a bit before about feeling accepted in society and that kind of thing. And it's like, if we can laugh at these things or if we can just see them in a different way, it's like, oh, I don't feel yeah. so bad about it now because it's, I can see the funny side yeah, and, yeah. and it mm. makes me feel like more accepting of myself because it's like, it's not just me that's going through this. That's such a huge point. Yeah. I think the thing is, growing up as somebody who felt really lonely, when somebody says, oh, I feel really seen mm. by that, or I feel like I can really relate to that, or that makes me feel like I can accept, that's such the biggest compliment to me because mm. we grew up not seeing many Asian people, especially not many seeing many Asian comedians that we can relate to on screen. So to now be in that position for other people just seems like such an honour because it's yeah. like, that's so lovely. And also because I very, I use Punjabi in my set. I'm very, yeah. I'm now very proud of being Punjabi or very, Absolutely. very proud of my roots, you know, very proud of my culture and my heritage. And so now I use Punjabi and like, you know, my director, who's not Punjabi, who is Asian, Saima, it was so important to me to yeah. work with an Asian woman as a director mm. for my, for my so solo, they understood. For my yeah. tour. Yeah. Because I was like, so you get it. Because I was like, if I'm working with somebody who's not Asian or with someone who's white, then I'm going to be going, um, yeah, no, so Atta is, um, it's like yeah, the flower yeah. that we like yeah, make yeah. chapatis from. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't want to waste my time doing that. Whereas, you know, I remember there was a bit where I was talking about the Gordwara 
and I added in saying, oh, that's the secret place of worship. She said, don't add it in. They should know what a godfather is. And I was like, oh, you're, there were so many other points of this. Where Absolutely. She was like, don't, you're apologizing. Yeah. Don't apologize for that. I, I remember know. I remember seeing that and you, and you actually said the Gurdwara. You didn't say the Sikh temple or anything like that. And yeah. that automatically ma- made me weirdly feel a little bit close to you in that in that particular moment mm. and, and, and more relatable. And I, I think, I think that's the reason why your, your tours have been so successful as well. I mean, mm. you did for suck's sake was your first yeah. one and, yeah. and then obviously postponed because of COVID you've had, um, life sucks, life sucks. um, yeah. which hundred yeah. percent I want to Definitely. go and see, Definitely. uh, when it, I mean, when it I was going to gonna Leeds, say when it's back in, when it's back in Leeds, it's now looking like probably going to be next year now. I yeah. think because we're just moving things and that's yeah. fine. I think, you know, I had a bit of a kind of thing about, oh no, no one's going to cut. People are going to forget about the tour. They're going to forget mm. that like they've got tickets or they're going to forget about it. But then I was like, you know what? It is what it is. It I is. want people to feel yeah. when people come to a show that I'm either I'm hosting or where, where it is my show. I want you to feel like, like it's yeah. like a home away from home. Yeah. Like I want you to feel like you're kind of coming into my home and I want to take care of you. I don't, not a big fan of going to comedy clubs where people are scared to sit in the front because they're going to get picked on or like mm, it's that yeah. kind of weird edgy atmosphere like to yeah. me it's like you've paid good money to come and see it you know you've got a babysitter you've got you yeah. know you've yeah. driven here you've exactly. paid here you know whatever you know so like I want everybody to have a really really good experience that's so like important to me that everybody mm. enjoys it so when I'm in Leeds I'll um I'll sort you guys out with tickets be oh thank you that would be that would be great we just stand the entire time no, just it's, it's, all the way through it yes yeah, <laughs> wow yeah, are you listening to this are you listening to this you just I've never on said anything <laughs> on bombs everything full work put your phone away wow <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and i just want to go back to to you saying that on each tour or each show you can you've always had this musical theme do you recall any of them for like for for suck's sake or what what was the one that you're potentially going to do for life sucks uh so for suck's sake my show was about mental health mm. and about taking ayahuasca which is a um like plant medicine yeah, from south yeah. america I don't know if you've Very, heard about like, it yeah like psychedelic and, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's mad yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's mad it changed my life but that's that's yeah. another podcast where we talk about you know <laughs> non-traditional methods of curing depression but um <laughs> So I used to listen to like ayahuasca music, like mm. the music that I play while during the ceremonies. So I used to listen to that to like get me into it and to feel me like feel connected to that. For for six sake, I uh, for sorry for life sucks. We had a um, a mix that we played like pre show, um, which was a mix of like nineties, which was actually Tommy Sandu came to see the show. Okay, yeah, in, Bir- in Birmingham, and that was like the second ever show. And you know what he's like? He's like Bernie. I loved it. I've got to go. Like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Benny, I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got to go see the in-laws, and I was like, okay, all right. He was like, I loved it. Just let's just change up that music. I'll send you a mix. I'll send you a mix. Just do it, you know. So yeah. we've got like a mix that he sent me, which is perfect because it's like nineties Bangla Bollywood, um, bit of R and B and hip hop. I was like, perfect, you know, it's my era. And then for pre-show, I made a list like some Nicki Minaj, some Beyonce, some mm. there. So, so there's like songs that I listened there that are kind of mainly women. Yeah, I listen to and then if I'm feeling like really a bit like oh I don't feel great or I'm like maybe getting a bit anxious or a bit nervous 
then I'll listen to like Sidhu Musiala or something like that to get me a bit like get real grimy (laughs) yeah 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 to to be like yeah we're gonna do about it yeah yeah (laughs) so that's what I use that's what I use and I have to and I think for me it's like it becomes a ritual so I have to listen to it so I'm like no one disturb me Mm. like at this between this time and this time because that's what I'm listening to yeah I think I think that's really important as well to have almost a ritual as well to get your mindset yeah. absolutely right. And, and music is the best way of doing that. It can put you absolutely. in a completely different state of mind and in 100%. a different place and focus you at the same time. That's, mm. I, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of that. And, and now, of course, is the big book deal. That's amazing. We obviously <gasps> touched on it in the beginning, but wow, this yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to that as well, especially you saying it's uh. going to be a little bit different. As well, so um, yeah. What, what's the team gonna, with that then? So basically, I can't tell you much about it because it's not been officially officially announced. It's going to be a press release and stuff. Okay. Uh, it's fiction, uh, so it is made up. It will probably be like it's kind of like loosely based on my life and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's about a Punjabi woman mm-hmm. like me, and it's set now, so it's modern. Okay. Um, and so I definitely. I was one of the conversations I had with my editor right at the beginning before the book did, before we, before I'd signed anything, before I'd even written a word of it was I was just like, I want it to be authentic. I want it to be real. I don't want to shy away from it. I want all the words. I want the Punjabi words in there. Even if you had to put like a little glossary of words, I don't care. You know, I don't want to talk about a box of mangoes. I want to talk about 50 of mangoes. Like I want, like, I want that richness and that fullness because I, you know, I'm a big reader and I grew up reading a lot and, you know, I really wish I'd now had something that somebody had written who's from my background that I could relate to. Because I remember finding those books in the library and they were like gold. Mm, they were like, but yeah. they were always set in like a corner shop or a yeah. sorry shop or whatever. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, yeah. That, that's great. Or it's about partition. That's great. And that's an important story to tell, but, I swear to God, if I never hear, if I never read another novel about partition, it'll be, I'll be fine. You know, I'll live. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, I guess, I guess I wanted something that's very, very now and yeah. very current that a lot of people, regardless yeah. of their background, can relate to. But obviously, if you are Punjabi, you're going to get something slightly different out of it because it's all about yeah. levels and about the layers, mm. of things, isn't it? Absolutely, and I, I think you're right. You're right in the fact that yes, there was people before like Gurinder Chadha and, and, and people like mm. that who were doing the writing and that kind of thing. But I personally could never really relate to her story. So I never really got into mm. them that much. Mm. And she's a fantastic director and she's done great things, yeah. but I could never really relate on that level. So hence why mm. I'm looking forward to this so much. Cause it's probably, I'm not a massive reader. I'll be honest, but yeah. if something captivates me and I can relate to it, um, I, I will definitely spend the time to reading that. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that and good luck yeah. with, with it. Thank you very much. Thank ah. you. So nice to talk about yeah, it, even though I can't tell you anything yeah, about it. It's really, really nice good, to like... So we'll, we'll go with that for it. We'll go with that <laughs> yeah. for the press release results. <laughs> Not one Pete. Not two Pete. It's the three Pete. Okay, so, so this is the part of the show where we ask you the three Pete. Uh, three songs that you could listen to over and over again. It can be absolutely anything, whether you listen to it in the shower or before your shows, like you said, to get you in the right frame of mind, absolutely anything you want. Uh, what is your number one? And it doesn't have oh, to be in so rank hard. order. Just your first. Oh, it doesn't have to be rank order. No. Okay, brilliant. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jagadaku then by Kazi An absolute classic. That <laughs> Thank is you. Raw. I'm such a tearjerker, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's so 
sad. Well, like, he, you know, he, he had a real, real talent for storytelling within his songs. Yeah. Like with yeah. Mirza and all that kind of stuff as well. It was mm. the stories that have long continued as well. Yeah. What, what a song. So what, what kind of um, nostalgic memories do you have about this one? I think this is a song that I listen to when <laughs> I've, I've listened to this a lot when I feel a bit unconnected from my roots. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So that always kind of brings me back to that real story, like really rich Punjabi storytelling mm. tradition. Uh, and his voice is incredible. I could have picked any one of his songs, but I wanted yeah. to choose this one because it's such a, a wonderful Beautiful. story behind it. Absolutely. And yeah, like I said, he was, it was a fantastic storyteller. Um, and any any one of his tunes really uh, yeah. I think could fit the bill definitely okay so what is your second of the three feet uh, I've chosen Gita Guldasta by Sajid Bindrakia again Wicked. if I could listen to any one artist for the rest of my life it would be this guy really like such an incredible incredible voice I loved him I didn't want to choose like you know the usual yeah, stuff like yeah, that yeah, so I was yeah. like, we've heard that a lot and the reason I picked this is because I went through a phase of just Googling really old performances of his, yeah. like just going onto YouTube and yeah, stuff, yeah. like looking at really... And there's a beautiful live performance, which I don't think has been recorded because I couldn't mm. find it anywhere else. But there's a beautiful... If you just put in like the beautiful Rafia live performance, young yeah. or rare, it yeah. will come up and he's got the full gear on and there's Pongra dancers and it is just beautiful like really? like with a live audience and the Definitely. audience is going mad like i sent you the link like it is just <laughs> so it just brings me out in goosebumps every single time i think it's, it's great really that bored. you haven't you haven't picked like like you said the common ones or let the more common ones like the riyarbolda mm. or the butta and the butta tera satranga because and i think this one is one that i almost forgot I mean, I listened to it and I was like, what a tune straight away. But <laughs> it's one that, hang on a second, I, I totally forgot that. I would have probably said that he arbled that or something it's like nice that. That's yeah, yeah, the kind yeah. of cliche I think that's really brought from these artists. It's the ones that yeah. are, you know, that's just it. Exactly. in their own right, but sometimes don't get the attention that they deserve. So, so we had your first two on the three P. Guldeep Manik was your first, Sujit Bindrakia being the second. I think I know what your third is going to be, but why don't you tell us what, uh, what it is? <laughs> uh, it's cooler shaker. It's um, <laughs> it is Miradesh um, Dildaranda by Kadasman. I think I've said it in the right order. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I love this song. You know, I, this is one of the very few Punjabi films that we could watch that weren't complete rubbish yeah. or, you know, just awfully done was which is like the you know I could quote from that from like when I was about three years old and incredible and just really raw in its purity Mm. and its innocence and it it actually touches on like a lot of really interesting issues as well you know and for that time it's just really wonderful and what an amazing cast as Mm. well Um, yeah and I love this song again this is a bit of a tearjerker for me as well and I think you know, talking about Punjab and talking, you know, I'm very passionate about Punjab and like kind of conserving Punjabi culture as well. And also now looking at the destruction of in Punjab as mm. well, of like drugs and like, you know, farmer suicide, all of that kind of stuff. And this just kind of takes me back to a, a slightly happier yeah. kind of time when Punjab was like really thriving mm. and 
you know, and, and the song itself talks about the really rich history of, of Punjab as well. And again, again, I think I just like stories, you know, so I, <laughs> yeah, again, it's yeah. another story. Well, That's what I was going to, I was well, going to say so. that the, the, the picks that you've made are the stories, aren't they? They're not just kind of, oh, that sonically or that lyrically sounds good. There's a meaning behind it. Yeah. I think it's a really well thought out um, three yeah. beat actually. I was just thinking, I was like, Ah, thank you. Because I, I, like I said, like they've all got huge backlogs. I've yeah. songs that like, you can choose so many that will like get you on the dance floor or that are like more current and stuff. But I think have a connection to all three of those mm. songs that kind of goes beyond. Oh, this makes me want to jump up and dance. Yeah, so definitely. yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for for those. Three. Brilliant. Absolutely. I thank think you. I really enjoyed that three people. Like I said, for the reason that they all have a storytelling um underlying theme and i think that really says a lot about yourself as well and the kind of things that you're doing and the things that you are going to do especially with the book so i i i definitely see com- uh, some resonance uh, with that this is the part of the show where we ask are you roots or rhymes so we'll move on to the final part of the show suck and it's the final question that we ask all guests and um, you can answer it in any way you want, interpret it any way you want. But Suck Audula, are you Roots or are you Rhymes? It's got to be Roots. Yes. <laughs> it's got to be Roots for me, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's taken me so long to embrace my Punjabiness, to embrace my heritage, my culture, my language, to be proud of it. That now, yeah, I yeah, it's, it's always roots. And I used to feel a bit embarrassed. I'd get into cars with friends and they'd be like, have you not heard a song by the, the sound or this, whatever? And I'd be like, uh, no, I haven't. And now I'm like, no, I haven't. Put some of these things on. What the hell is wrong with so you? I think, <laughs> what, what is this new crap? <laughs> I'm out and out, precious, proud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is this? Uh, I was also going to put Magid Singh because I very... This is my last thing I'm going to say about music choice, how I think about it. When I did the Larkin Network for the clip that went viral, mm. I came on to Malik Singh. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And I chose that song partly jokingly, um, partly because the Asian Network, mm. even though it's the Asian Network, not to kind of like, I'm having a bit of a dig, but didn't have the Punjabi song that I wanted them to no have. No way. So I gave him like three or four. And I and I was like, "What do you mean you don't have like a Jackie Mujahidi? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what do you?" Is this not in everybody's language? <laughs> Which, you know, like a bit, it's <laughs> a bit niche. I was like, "Do you not have that?" You know, I was like, "No, do not have that." Um, so, so I kind of chose that half jokingly, half because it's a really fun mm. song, you know, and it's because something that we kind of grew up listening. Suk, you have expressed that you are. 100% roots, which is fantastic. And I think anybody that's listening uh, to the podcast is definitely, definitely going to be able to, to hear that with what you, you've had to say today. And it's been a great show. But right now is an opportunity for you to plug anything you've got going on, any shows coming up. Obviously, the book, this is your uh, opportunity to plug. Um, think, well, really, it's all a bit here, but the Life Six tour has not been cancelled. It's just been postponed. I think a lot of people were replaced being sort of run off with their money to Bali or something. Uh, <laughs> um, I <laughs> it's, it's still going ahead. If you've got, got tickets to my shows, 
of figuring out what to do it, get all the dates, but as soon as the dates are kind of set, then I will be back and you worry. So yeah, please do continue to like support live comedy, not just me, but in general, like support comedians in a way, like live comedy is in a really bad way at the moment because covered by the like the arts funding or anything like that. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. uh, and apart from that, what else? That's it. That's all I want to say. And also just drink water and tell people you love them. Great, great advice. Great advice. I think that's the most <laughs> important I always message. Promote. Drink, drink that, body. Yes. Hug your loved one. Hug your loved one. If you can. That is the most important <laughs> advice that we're taking out of this podcast is tell people you love them <laughs> and make sure you drink that body. And don't buy elephant at die anymore. Asleep. Yeah, exactly. It's very important. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, stop you know, it. We're going to boycott. Boycott <laughs> elephant at <laughs> Again, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. It's been a great conversation. You know what? I'm nice. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> oh, you can just call me if you want <laughs> just we'll have a chat no problem have a chat have a chat <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to you uh, yeah, when we'll be the tour cool. is back uh, being in Leeds of course but everybody should yeah. check out the Life Sucks tour and try and get tickets to your local shows it, it's definitely going to be a great one ladies and gentlemen that is Suck Audula thank you very much thank you so much The UK is on red alert. As part of our commitment to the British Asian events industry, we're campaigning with We Make Events to help raise vital funds for those who can no longer work as a result of live events being cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can help by donating using the link in the description of this podcast, because together we can help make events again.